No matter where you live in the country, the mountains or the coast, the Midwest or the Deep South, the middle of August is a very special time. This is the second half of the summer, a time to slow down, relax, take some time off and enjoy yourself. That's what they're doing at the Covered Bridge Equestrian Center. It's a self-service horseboarding facility just south of San Jose, California. So we're not like a hunter-jumper barn. We're not a western barn that does a bunch of barrel races. Most of the people have been here 25 years. So it's a little bit different in the fact that we're, we're quiet. It's much more like a sanctuary. But today, that sanctuary has become a very dangerous place. A single lightning strike has ignited a forest fire. It's burning out of control, and right in its path is the Covered Bridge Equestrian Center. Fire was getting really close, and someone proposed it to be within hours at the rate the wind was blowing in the heat. Tamara Boole gets the order to evacuate from the sheriff. But inside the stable, there are dozens of horses. These horses are owned by different families, many of them in different towns. Even the ones who are nearby are busy evacuating themselves. Standing in front of the barn, Tamara watches the smoke on the horizon growing darker. I'm Torica Chur, and this is Tell Me What Happened, True Stories of People Helping People, an original podcast by OnStar. Every day when you wake up, you don't know if you'll be a person who needs help or if you'll be a person that helps someone else. It's important to remember that it's in all of us to be either one of those things every day. The town of Felton, California, has a population of just under 5,000 people. It's a pretty typical rural community. In fact, the town's only claim to fame is a bridge, the Felton Covered Bridge, which happens to be the tallest covered bridge in the entire country. The wooden bridge, which stands an impressive 35 feet high, has spanned the San Lorenzo River since 1892 and it stands at the entrance of the Covered Bridge Equestrian Center. Once you're there, you'll meet the center's owner, Tamara Boole. Oh, well, I'm 71 years old. I'm a very active outdoor person. My hobby is art, being creative. I weld, work in stone. Tamara's family has been on the same 27 acres for almost 50 years. And for most of those years, her ranch has served as a place for people to board their horses. It's part of the community. It's been a living part of the community for years and years. These aren't horses that win big races or command big fees to breed. They're just horses that need a place to stay. Many of them are rescues. They come from Texas, from kill pens, little ponies that would be destroyed or sent to Mexico. Many of the animals here have been mistreated. And that has made them skittish, nervous, uncomfortable around people, and as a result, difficult to handle.
Four days ago, a single bolt of lightning struck the ground in Southern California. It ignited the dry brush, and soon it was a raging wildfire. On day two of the fire, it burnt through a pair of nearby communities. Horses up in Boulder Creek and up the mountain were already being evacuated. On day three, the fire is still burning. In fact, it's getting bigger. But for now, the Covered Bridge Center doesn't seem to be in its path. At about 7 o'clock at night, a border who takes horses up to Coast Sanoa called and she said they were being evacuated, that there was fire close to them. And could she bring two horses down here? And I told her yes, to put them wherever she felt they would be safest. Even in the face of a wildfire, Tamara won't say no to an animal in need. But it does mean that the center is very, very full. As she wakes up on the fourth day of the fire, the flames have reached Boulder Creek. That's only seven miles away. I got a text message, and they said they could see a glow of fire as they looked up the mountain, and were we going to be evacuating? And I told her, at that time, I didn't know. Tamara has lived here a long time. She's seen wildfires that look threatening, but then suddenly burn themselves out or change direction. She's hoping that will happen again. It was a really emotional time because who knew if it could hit our area. Things were burning that nobody ever thought would. We were really just wondering, just waiting for the call. The call came at 12 noon. By that time, it was apparent that the fire had burned over the ridge and that we were in more threat. So at that point, the sheriff called the evacuation. For people living in a house in town, evacuating means loading your most irreplaceable possessions into the car, locking the door, and driving away. But at the Covered Bridge Horse Sanctuary, it's much more complicated. They need to move 65 horses off the property, and they need to do it quickly. Tamara doesn't have trailers for all the horses. The individual owners are usually responsible for transporting their animals. The problem is, because most of them are local, they had something else to focus on. They were being told to pack up and get out of their houses. Their homes were burning while they had to think of moving their horse. This is Tell Me What Happened, a podcast created by OnStar to showcase how important a human connection is when you need help. Whether you're lost on a backcountry road or standing at the gates of your ranch, watching the flames of a raging wildfire approach. It's 1 p.m. It's been an hour since the local sheriff gave the order to evacuate. But Tamara Boole is still here. She has 65 horses she needs to move before she can even think of getting herself to safety. 20 miles east of where she's standing is Michelle LeClaire. I am the owner of Pleasant Valley Horse Club and Gold Coast Equestrian. She's one of those lucky souls who doesn't see her job as work. I love life. I feel grateful to be able to do what I do. I really like people and, of course, animals. (laughs) Just after the evacuation order was given, Michelle got a frantic call from someone she hardly knows. The woman gave me a call and said, hey, listen, 
I have a horse and a pony. Can you go pick it up and bring it to this address? And I said, sure. The horses in need of rescue are being boarded at, you guessed it, the Covered Bridge Equestrian Center. So within minutes, Michelle hooks up her trailer and starts driving west, which, it should be noted, is directly towards the fire. The smoke is really dense, and it's sort of a brown-red color, so you couldn't really see flames, but there was a lot of density to the smoke. It's a 45-minute drive, and when she arrives... There was smoke everywhere. There was embers flying around. She sees how dire the situation is. Despite the evacuation order, despite the flames on the horizon, there are dozens of people at the center. Some owners have arrived to collect their horses, but there is mass confusion. People were already taking their own horses. The tendency was, well, oh, let me just go get this. Oh, and I want to get my saddle. And there wasn't really time for that. That wasn't the time to do that. Tamara sees a pickup pulling a trailer, getting ready to leave. It's a trailer built for four horses, but there's only two inside. It was like, wait a second. Don't send anybody away without taking somebody. Take those two horses and let us know where you're going. You had to keep triaging, kind of moving, and as calm as possible. She starts organizing all the individual owners into a cohesive team. She gets them to work together. And while that's hard with people, it's especially difficult with animals. Those unfamiliar with the ways of horses may not exactly understand how difficult and dangerous this situation is. Horses are not docile creatures. They're curious and intelligent, and they're suspicious of strangers. They're also easily spooked, especially with fire. There's a lot of aspects that happen that people don't realize happen. It's not like you're going to pick up a calm, soothed horse. Horses that are afraid, that are afraid to load up, that are afraid to come out of their pen, their barn. And that's the case with the horse Michelle has come to collect. I remember it looked like a thoroughbred that was pacing, very uncomfortable, very uneasy. The horse is resistant to follow a stranger's lead. So Michelle has to move slowly, patiently. So I got a treat and I talked to him calmly, did a little petting. So I took a lot of time with that horse. All the while, the fire is getting closer. We got you. Easy, buddy. Oh, easy. It's okay. That horse was difficult to load just because he had a lot of anxiety and he was really worried. After minutes, which seemed like hours. The horse walks cautiously into Michelle's trailer. Next is the pony. The pony was easy. The pony's like, get me out of here. (laughs) I'll jump right in. (laughs) That's two animals loaded, but she's running out of time. The smoke is thicker. More and more embers are falling from the sky. Your eyes burned, so it was kind of hard to see. All the trailers on site have been loaded and taken down the road to safety. But the stables are far from empty. There are still 20 animals in the barn. So Michelle starts working her phone. She calls everyone she can think of in the horse community, friends and strangers, anyone with a truck, trailer, and a little bit of horse sense. 
Michelle has two horses in her trailer, so she heads to the local fairgrounds that's serving as a temporary stable. It's 20 miles away, so by the time she returns, she's been gone about an hour. There were helicopters, there were big fire planes that were dropping the chemicals, and that stuff was all over my vehicle. That's how close I was. I mean, there were firefighters everywhere. They were trying to really hold the line, and it was miraculous. And you just take a minute and look, and you're like, wow, these people are really trying to hold it so we can rescue these animals. And they're trying to save these people's homes and using their lives in jeopardy to do it. When she finally makes it back to the center, she realizes her frantic phone calls have been answered. I had six trucks with trailers coming, so I sort of got a fleet. They load up all the horses they can and take them to the fairgrounds. Then Michelle makes one more trip back to Covered Bridge. They weren't letting anyone back in except for us. And I knew that there was gonna be a point where when I came back, they may not let me in because it was no longer safe. She's allowed back in with a clear warning that if the fire moves in, she's on her own. Back at the sanctuary, the smoke is thick and the heat is building. But there are only three horses left. There's Danzy. Danzy is huge and she was young. And she's sassy. A horse called Worthy. Worthy is a handful. Just by sheer size alone, when he lifts his head up, you just want to sit there and go, help me. (laughs) And Napoleon. He's an ex-bullfighting horse. And just by his breed and by his training, he was taught to not back down. So he can be an intimidating horse if you're not an experienced horse person. She's brought a four-horse trailer this time. So she's got room, but not much time. So we want to get in there quickly and get out of there quickly and load them up like you would normally load up. But this is a situation that requires a balance of speed and patience. I had enough experience to understand, okay, this animal needs a minute or, you know, I can load this up really fast. One by one, she leads Danzy, Worthy and Napoleon into the trailer. Then Michelle and Tamara hop in the cab of the truck and set off down the road to the safety of the fairgrounds. So by six o'clock, all the animals were off the property. It was profound, I have to say, the the help. And just the whole, I think the whole of it. That was intense. But we were actually able to evacuate all the animals safely. In the time of a crisis, it was the most genuinely sincere offering of help in an emergency situation. The wildfire would burn on for another week, and Michelle would end up saving dozens of other horses at other ranches. Michelle's presence, she was easygoing in the emergency, and that was just her horse knowledge, that she was a very experienced horse person, so she had the skill, the extra skill. I'm just grateful to be able to be helpful. It's really amazing to know how many people actually care and are ready to help. 
it's shocking and and wonderful. It's wonderful. So many people helped. So many people came out of the woodworks. People who didn't even have animals were like, what can I do to help? And that was great. A wildfire isn't the only natural disaster that presents a threat to horses. A lot of animals were put in danger by Hurricane Katrina and the subsequent flooding of New Orleans in 2005. Dr. Laís Costa is a veterinarian who worked as part of the rescue team that went looking for them. It made landfall on August 29th. First convoy of trucks and trailers was the 1st of September. And so some of the water had receded. There's a lot of devastation. And I think people that go in search and rescue missions have to be creative in how to get the animals out. What kind of strategies do you do when you say you're creative? How do you get the animals out? Well, I mean, I think it's important to understand the behavior of the animals. For example, if you identify a horse that trusts you and want to be with you, you can use that animal to approach the other animals. And the other horses will say, well, I guess those humans are all right. Sometimes you use feed and water because they oftentimes are starving. They're very thirsty. It's really important to be prepared. It's just like you go to the airplane. You know exactly how buckle your seatbelt, that the oxygen is going to come up, right? It's so second nature. You don't even need to pay attention. You need to try to think of disasters the same way because exactly what they're doing in the airplane is preparing for a disaster, right? There are rules that you practice or plans that you practice often enough that become second nature. And so if the disaster is to happen, you're not as panicked because you had a plan and you practice your plan. You know you can do it. It's for you and it's for your animal too. So if you practice loading up the animal, figure out some animals don't like to go from the light to the dark trailer. Position your trailer differently. Practice. Put the horse in the trailer, bring to a nice green pasture, ride for a loop, put the horse back on, come back home. Put your cat in a carrier. Try to make the carrier be the space the cat wants to be. So when they are worried about something, they figure, this is my safe place. I'm going to go into the carrier or I'm going to go to my trailer. A lot of horses, and in their stories, they're very sad of horses. When there's a fire coming, the barn catches on fire. They let the horses out and try to get the horses to run away. But they're so panicky, they come back to the barn because the barn is their safe place. So you need to create an alternative safe place for your horse. So they say, okay, the trailer is the place for me to get out of here. And I'd love to be my trailer. So I'm going to go to my trailer. And that is the really important part that you can prevent the panic and optimize your evacuation strategies. So it's clear that the only way to move horses long distances would be to have a trailer. How important it is to have equipment on your property to help move your dog, your cats, your chickens? I mean, there's people that train their llamas. We had, they had four llamas, I think. They put in their van, their family van, and they evacuate. And the llamas were content sitting there. <laughs> they pulled the seat out, but they're just cushioned the back. And we see the animals 
left behind a lot of times are cats, household cats, because they panic and they go to their safe spot. So they hide and people can't find them. And so if you have a pet carrier that they love, they're going to hide in the carrier, not in a corner of the house or under the house. They're going to go in their carrier. For chickens, it's the same way. There are a lot of people that have their chickens trained to go into pet carriers. They just call and the chickens go in and they put them. And so training the animal to be comfortable in whatever device you're going to use to transport them is the best way. Should we pay a little bit more attention to our animals in terms of when maybe a natural disaster is coming, that they have a little bit more sense with their hooves on the ground sometimes? Oh, yeah. I think the animals do sense changes in barometric pressure and a lot of things that we don't. We look at the weather channel, right? But they can tell. What kind of behaviors would you watch out for? They start to get more eerie about things. They have this sort of that adrenaline going. They seem worried about something. And some animals will express more than others. But knowing what the normal behavior of your animals are and then start paying attention when there are changes. And you will see, they can tell before it's going to rain that it's going to rain. They can't tell those things, especially the animals are backyard animals because they're really in tune with the environment. But even the inside animals, they're very aware of those things. Well, Dr. Costa, thank you so much. And thank you on behalf of all the animals that you have saved in your career. It's much appreciated. You're welcome. That's it for this episode of OnStar's Tell Me What Happened. True stories of people helping people. If you'd like to read more stories like this one, or if you want more information about how to stay safe during wildfire season, there's a link in the show notes to take you to our website. Or you can go straight to OnStar.com and tell us your favorite story about a time that a stranger helped you. Let's share some love for people who help others in big ways and small. On behalf of OnStar, I'm Tora Couture, and please be safe out there. <laughs>